Hey there. Welcome to HabChat. We all know that the Haberfeld's HPG strategy works towards accelerating growth. This podcast is our opportunity to learn from others what's worked, what hasn't worked, and how to get everyone on board, and even how to prepare your budget for full marketing utilization. Well, you're in the right place. So let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. This is actually going to be our final episode of Hab Chat this year. So thank you all for, for joining us this year and look forward to next year with a lot of great stuff. I'm joined today by my wonderful and amazing co-host, Susan. Susan, how are you today? Hello, Patrick. I'm doing great. Excited to be here yet again. Oh, I am too. And today we have a really, really great episode. And we're, we're going to be kind of talking about something that a lot of, I think a lot of senior leadership and in the banking in the banking world has been thinking about or in the process of doing right now and that's succession planning which is kind of something that's really important as as they take a look at this future success of their organization yeah i've known a lot of business owners over the years and you know the growth of these companies seems to depend on how successful they've been in handing the torch off uh, to the next person I think we're going to get into a little bit about that today, and I'm really excited to learn and hear more about it. And I'm really, we're really excited to to introduce and bring on two wonderful individuals who have recently kind of been through that that succession planning and that that really great handoff. And our first guest here today, and back for the second time, is Ben O'Neill, who is now the new CEO of of Haberfeld. And our second guest here today is David Furness, who is the former CEO and now our current executive vice chairman at Haberfeld. Ben, David, thank you for joining us here today. Yeah, Patrick, Susan, it's good to be with you. Uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, agreed. Excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks so much. Awesome, awesome. Now, before we kind of get into, you know, kind of what succession planning, how it looked like between the two of you um, and kind of how it all happened, I, I kind of want to start here with you, David. Um, now you you came in as CEO uh, of Haberfeld in, in in 2012, led the organization up until uh, this past July. Now, when did that thought or the decision? Uh, when did you come to the decision, you and the leadership team maybe of to start that succession planning? Yeah, I think you know uh, it sort of evolves. Um, you sort of start when uh, somebody like me starts to get a little long in the tooth. <laughs> and you, I've got uh, two grown kids and six grandchildren who are all honey and no bees. A lot of people have heard me say that before. But, uh, you know, you sort of get to a point in life where you, you want to begin to devote uh, some of your energy to, to things like that. And so that process really started, I would say, three or four years ago in sort of coming to the decision that at some point in time, uh, you you want to be able to make that transition, and you want to go through it in a process in in a in a good process, in a process that's uh, defined uh, that that uh, gives everybody plenty of time to adjust. And so, I would say that the actual real succession planning process started probably uh, a little more than two years ago. And when and when do you were when you started that succession planning? Was there anything specific you were starting to kind of look for and everything? So, you know, succession, it's interesting as as the former CEO of Haberfeld and uh, had been CEO of, of a couple of other companies prior to that, 
uh, succession planning is one thing that you, you, know, you bring experience to your job, but succession planning is something that you go through that you don't have any experience at. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so what I did is, is initially just tried to educate myself. I'm a, a lifelong student. So, uh, started, I, I bought a couple of books on it and read those, started reading research articles, um, have a number of professional friends who, uh, were CEOs before, and so they were a great resource for me. You know, what did they do? How did they go about it? Uh, that sort of thing, and and uh, uh, and you know, obviously, one of the key things is identifying the right candidate. So uh, that takes a lot of uh, a lot of work and intentionality to make that happen. Yeah. So. And then when you landed on on Ben and brought him on board, what did that initial first conversation look like from your point of view? So. Uh, Ben was uh, unique in the people that we considered in in that he had been with our company before. And I think that's just a tremendous advantage that we had that a lot of firms don't. Um, I did not know Ben at the time, but a number of our key executives knew him very well, spoke very, very highly of him. Um, and so I was able to get to know Ben really well through this process. But the the other side of that coin is Ben knew us well also. And I think that helps uh, tremendously. So helped us at least. Great. Now, Ben, when David and the leadership team told you that they would like you to step into the CEO role, what was your first reaction? Certainly, I was I was super intrigued. You know, when when David and Akim both reached out to me, um, you know, I would say first and foremost that you know I think in in life timing can be a little bit understated at times, and. You know, they definitely they definitely hit me up and, and reached out at the right moment in time. You flash back in time, and in that particular moment, you know, it was spring of 2021, and we'd been in the pandemic for well over a year at that point, right? We we're all kind of living that that pandemic lifestyle. I hadn't been to the office at, at PayPal in probably well well over a year. Uh, there was no cor corporate travel in that moment in time, so I had gone from you're probably taking 22 to 25 business trips a year to, to, to no travel at all. And, you know, we were just kind of heads down and just kind of crushing it on our laptops, kind of propelling you know, our business forward to PayPal in that moment. Um, yeah. And then in tandem, I would say, you know, I was at a point in my career uh, at PayPal where you know, the small team that I was a part of, we were really nearing the summit of kind of what I call phase one of our multi-year climb. Um, you know, in our journey there, uh, we had made peace with the uh, with payment networks and established strategic partnerships with nine of the top ten card issuers in the U.S. At that point, uh, we'd also done a number of deals with the service providers within the ecosystem. So we'd done deals with two of the top three prominent service providers within the ecosystem at that point. And so those deals, you know, they spanned you know multitude of areas, uh, anything from card provisioning into the PayPal wallet utilizing card rewards as a tender type uh, at the time of checkout, you have merchants that accepted PayPal, and also items like enabling and facilitating mass payouts. So we were at a stage in kind of our multi-year journey there uh, with the small team that I was a part of where we were beginning to take that playbook uh, to markets outside of the U.S. while really solidifying and starting to think about our plans for the next phase of our journey domestically. So I this you cannot understate timing. It's really hit me at kind of the right moment in time. And then in tandem, I think a lot of other, a lot of other uh, aspects 
made sense uh, with the opportunity. Uh, as David mentioned, I'd been with Haberfeld previously. So yeah, Haberfeld's an organization that I really have a strong understanding of. Uh, serving an FI ecosystem that I'm really highly familiar with. Also, just, just the people at Haberfeld. And from an executive perspective, you know, over the years, I'd, I'd really stayed in, in, in contact with uh, individuals like Occam Griesel, uh, Dr. Sean Pant on our executive team. You know, both have a tremendous respect and appreciation for both of them. And you know, throughout the process, really got to know David uh, really, re- really, really well. And felt like David was an individual that I could have a great working relationship with as well. And then you know, there's kind of other tangible factors. You know, Haverfeld is based in the town in which I live. You know, in the town where my kids both go to school, in the city where, you know, where my wife has a career of her own. So those those were all tangible aspects. And then I think finally, I would just say that me, probably most importantly, you know, for me personally, I viewed it as an opportunity where I could come in, I could have a tangible meaningful impact, not only just on Haverfeld, but, you know, for our clients uh, and for the employees. You know, Susan, I might chime in there as well. The way you phrased your question uh, about, you know, the the timing when when Ben knew that, we, we had several conversations initially where Ben and I were just getting to know each other. But actually, it was fairly early in our discussions where we identified the fact that Haberfeld was going through succession planning and and we're planning to uh, to hire a new CEO. So that piece actually came up fairly early on. So no surprise to Ben at, at any point uh, after those those conversations started. Now, now, both of you just mentioned kind of the timing of things. And, and David, when you and Ben first started kind of talking about this, it was mostly just about, let me get to know Ben a little bit, and, and then we'll start kind of talking through you know, all the nuts and bolts of everything. So um, ben, uh, just to you, when did that transition process, a- after you guys had gotten to know each other a little bit, um, understanding kind of the direction that David was taking Haverfeld and kind of where it was and where you wanted to kind of move forward from there, What when did that transition really begin? Was it kind of small chunks at a time or was it kind of uh, David was like, okay, here you go. All right, let's, let's, uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, so I, I was talking about the spring of 2021, and so you know, we we started to move forward in earnest uh, you know, with a game plan for, for me to come on board uh, with Haberfeld by late spring, early summer of 2021, and obviously there's some dependencies to make that happen that uh, we were working through at that time, but by the time that I came on board, it was September of 21, so a little over two years ago, and I would say... Yeah, the transition process really began the moment uh, that I came on board. And what David and I did is we we really worked closely together, and, and not just David and I, but you know other members of the exec team as well, uh, Occam, Dr. Sean Payant. And we effectively laid out what I would call a two-year journey uh, with quarterly milestones, and then we pretty consistently would 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 check. Uh, our progress against those milestones and, and benchmark ourselves. And we say at different points of that journey, sometimes we were a little ahead of schedule, sometimes we were a little behind schedule. Uh, but that was, that was really our approach as we came into this uh, from day one. Uh, David, you other thoughts? No, I, that make, I completely agree. You know, I, I think a key in retrospect, looking at this, now that we've completed, the plan's not done yet. We actually had a, a post-transition a, a couple of years 
as well to continue the journey. So the plan's not done, but the key thing has occurred. Ben is our CEO now. And uh, I would say that uh, we spent a lot of time in planning for that. So Patrick, to your question about, uh, you know, a little bit at a time, all at once chunks, uh, we spent a lot of time planning for this months and months and months. We hired a firm to help us uh, create the plan as well. And so when you do that, uh, you know, I, you've got constituencies you have to communicate with. You've certainly got a lot of work to do, but, but uh, in laying out an effective plan, it, it just feels like you're executing the playbook that you laid out. It's not like there's this one thing that occurred and, and then bam, there it is. Uh, we worked really hard on it on the on the front side, laying out a plan, and and then we communicate a lot. That's got to be stressed. Obviously, you have you know communication amongst amongst an executive team that's changing. You've got a a, a group of people that you care deeply for uh, that uh, that are in the company that has to be. You got a lot of clients. Um, you've got financial uh, firms that you deal with. So communication's a a really really big part of this process. And David, I remember you saying at symposium when you were up on the stage kind of making this announcement that this was something you'd never done before. And I think that that is the kind of the same boat that a lot of folks are in when they get to this stage. So you kind of have already mentioned that you guys just did such planning, planning, planning and laying it all out. I can see that that's been really successful in this whole process. So it sounds like you just laid it out and then you followed it through from there. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I guess, you know, for people that are listening to this that uh, see succession planning in their future, you know, a couple key points would be one, you typically don't have experience at it. I certainly didn't. Ben didn't on the other side of it. So uh, recognize that and then, and then you know, get the education that you need, right? So hire professionals to help you you know, get educated by, by people that have gone before you. And then uh, second thing is communication is key. Ben and I were talking all the time, obviously, daily. Uh, but beyond that, we set up regularly scheduled, structured meetings where we were going to get together and discuss, you know, in a very organized way with a regular agenda, uh, the topics that we were going to cover. As Ben mentioned, we laid out quarterly milestones along the way. So uh, communication and planning are key. Well, that's kind of like you just transitioned right into my next question. There, David. Look, awesome. look at that. Look at that. I'll um, be doing this next, Patrick. Hey, there you go. We're going to get you on a second time. Yeah. Um, well, well, you kind of spoke, both of you have kind of spoken to a little bit of communication, and, and both of you brought up kind of you had created these quarterly milestones that to, to meet and continue to talk about and continue to move forward. And so, Ben, what was that? Those quarterly milestones. What were the? What did those kind of look like? And if you ever fell short of of one, or you were really far ahead of one, what did those conversations look like? To either, okay, we got to catch up to this, or oh, maybe maybe just pull the reins in just a little bit more here, real quick, and so that way we can kind of make this transition a little bit smoother. What did that look like? Yeah. So yeah, I would say just from a from my perspective you know, coming in kind of day one and, and you think about, you know, that topic of communication, you know, very, very early on, I would say we communicated multiple times a day, David and I, uh, whether that be in person, via phone, emails, texts, just a tremendous amount of communication. And, and for somebody like myself that is coming, coming back to the organization really after more than a decade, um, kind of day one for me, you know, my focus was, you know, getting 
you know, getting the lay of the land, understanding the initiatives in motion across the organization, you know, alongside, hey, the, the, the goals and the challenges that the organization had. So it's essentially striving to have an awareness around all facets of the company. And that, you know, I would say a, a, an early phase of my time at the organization was, was that. And then from there, you quickly kind of graduate into weighing in on key topics. Uh, and then ultimately, you're starting to make some key decisions. Um, you know, David often referred to that as, as the dance. Um, you know, early on, you know, I'm probably more of an observer. And then by the end, he's deferring to me uh, to, to make a lot of those, uh, a, a lot of those kind of key decisions at, at, at certain aspects in time. When you talk about, hey, milestones and maybe what some of the challenges uh, were along the way, yeah, I, I would say at any given moment, you heard me say earlier that sometimes we're running a little bit ahead of schedule. Sometimes we're running a little bit behind schedule. But you know, if we were missing milestones, I think that's, that's just kind of a nod to, to the challenges of the process that I think are innate to succession. You know, from a succession perspective, when you're at the CEO level or you're transitioning, say, in David's part to executive vice chairman, you know, we still have, we still have an obligation to run, run the business on a daily basis. And so, so I think that is the challenge is how do you effectively manage succession while still running the business effectively and not, not losing sight on that? So, yeah, I think just having really open and honest communication and knowing that, hey, sometimes you are going to fall behind or sometimes you are going to be running a little ahead of schedule and that's going to pinball around a little bit, especially on a two-year journey. Um, it's, it's just kind of going into that process, eyes wide open. Yeah, yeah. If I might chime in there as well. But I described it as a dance. You know, you know, on day one, Ben's not going to be the CEO and make all the decisions, but two years later, he is going to be there. So that part's really clear in everybody's mind. It's the dance in the middle as to how you get there, right? Because as Ben says, we've got a business to run that we've got to keep going. We've got to keep growing it. We've got to keep innovating. But in the middle and as CEO, you reflexively do things because you've done them that way for a long time, right? You, you, you're accustomed to knowing certain things and making decisions and, you know, pushing the organization forward in ways and and uh, that has to transition. And so it takes a lot of communication. And, and Ben said something as well. He said, open, honest discussion. That, that has to happen a lot. I do think uh, Ben and I have done that dance really, really well, uh, but we communicated a lot along the way to get there. So Ben said something that I, I uh, thought was really insightful. Uh, as we approached the point where we were going to have employee communication, we both had agreed that if we did our jobs well in this, that would not be a big deal. And Ben's, here's the way he said it. He said, if we do it well, people are going to go, huh, that's interesting, and then get back to work. <laughs> and I thought that was a good way to, to illustrate that. And hopefully we did that well enough that people went, huh, yeah, okay, good enough, and just move on. So that, yeah. that's great. I think you guys have done a good job of explaining, you know, if you did come into some unexpected situations, how you overcame it and just work together for that. So thank you. I think that's great insight. David, I wanted to ask you, if you look back over your time as a CEO, what are some of your proudest moments that you had leading Haverfeld during that time? Ah, thank you, Susan. There, there are so many. It's just such a great organization. You know, many of you have heard me say this, but 
we get to work in community banking, which I am passionate about. I've been in all my career. We get to help uh, David beat Goliath. That's that's really good. But uh, when you kind of boil it down to, to Haberfeld, you know, if you look at in 2013, one of the early things that we did, and it was part of plan from the prior generation of, of owners as well, was we installed the ESOP. Haberfeld is an employee-owned company. Anytime you talk to anybody at Haberfeld, you're talking to an owner. And so to take this journey for a decade and to have our employees, our team, our employee owners be the, the ones that are benefiting from that, it, it takes to getting to retirement to, to see that. But nonetheless, you, know, you think about the economic benefit that a company throws off uh, doing what it does. Putting in the ESOP was really cool. I just, I look back at that and think, you know, generating uh, generating that kind of benefit for all of us is, is a really cool thing to see. I was blessed that in my tenure, the company doubled. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of hard work, but really fulfilling to see that. You know, we had 40 employees. We've got, I don't know, Ben, we're what, mid-80s today, 84, 85, something like that. Yeah, I think we just hired our 84th employee. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool to see that. There is a legacy aspect to these things that Alan Friesen, my predecessor, mentioned to me when we started this journey that, you know, it would be real easy to sell the company and coast off into the sunset, but Haberfeld would not exist as an 84-person firm in Lincoln, Nebraska anymore if he had done that. And so that's pretty cool that uh, as an ESOP-owned company, we can do that. We're still growing. We're nowhere. We're not done. <laughs> that's part of why Ben's here. So, you know, there, there may be some more a little more tactical things that, that I look at. We weren't very technology focused early on. And, you know, we've got a lot of, we've integrated a lot more technology, a lot more data during my tenure. And that was fun to see. Mobile Predict was something that, that uh, uh, I had a, played a very big role in, kind of discovered the concepts and brought them into the company. That was a lot of fun. We automated plus one during that time, took something that was manual and and uh, turned it into a software as a service solution. It's really Sean, the credit goes to Sean Pant for Cultivate, but that happened uh, on my watch, so to speak. So just to see those things happen is just really, really, really fulfilling. So, you know, it's a great company and it remains a great company. And and one of the things that I've always loved to do is evangelize it. And so I, I still get to do that. Ben's fortunate enough, or, or I'm blessed enough that Ben didn't kick me out right away. He wanted me to stay around for a little bit. So I still get to evangelize. That's primarily where I spend my time these days. So that that part's a lot of fun. And I guess I'd put a bow on that. I won't name any names. Uh, one of our folks that's been with us for a, a long, long time, we were about four or five years into the journey, and and uh, he and I went to lunch. And on, on the walk to lunch, he said, you know, if you hadn't come here, I wouldn't be here today. And when you hear something like that as a CEO, that's just really personally meaningful to you. So it's been a it's been a great ride, just a joy and a blessing. So, well, well, David, from all of us here at Haberfeld, I mean, thank you for your leadership over um, over that the past decade, and looking forward to you going out and continuing to evangelize. So, and uh, we're very fortunate to have you continue to do that now. Ben, you, you've now taken over the reins as as CEO of Haverfeld. Now, what are kind of some of your thoughts and ideas as you look towards the future of Haverfeld and the, the future of our clients and maybe even our industry too? 
Yeah, you know, I think when I when I look at the industry in general, it's it's changed a lot over the past decade. It's changed significantly, and I would expect challenges to continue to atten- intensify in the years ahead. You know, today I would say we're managing through one of the higher rate environments in my lifetime, certainly. Uh, but if you look over the last forty years, it's it's a unique point in time. Pressure continues on non-interest income uh, within the ecosystem. You would continue to see competitive pressures uh, that are really at a crescendo when it comes to the fight for low-cost deposits and core customers. And certainly organizations, I think as we are, are now you know, out of the pandemic, you know, organizations are still trying to mitigate uh, employee attrition and thinking about, hey, how are we going to continue to develop our leaders, those that are going to be leaders of leaders, uh, whether that be a branch manager, a head of retail, or a CEO uh, of the financial institution. And so you know, get, given kind of the, the magnitude of change and the pace of change, you know, at Haberfeld, we got to be highly in tune to those challenges that are going on with our, with our client base today. Uh, and, and really, what are going to be those challenges of tomorrow? And we got to ensure that we're consistently evolving in ways that are going to provide relevant uh, solutions that are going to ensure our clients' success. Because certainly when when our clients succeed, we then succeed. And so, you know, we're just going to re- continue to focus on evolving and solving challenges for our clients because that's that's really what we're hired to do. Well, I know that with with you now taking the reins, the future of Haverfeld is is bright. Our clients, their their future is bright as well too. And um, and David, you're still going to be along for the ride. You know, go out, evangelize, and everything like that. So with that, Ben, David, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and just kind of kind of talk about succession planning and kind of how that looked like between you. And I know I think some of our clients who are in that position now are starting to think about it would really find this topic really, really beneficial. So thank you so much, David, Ben. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode of Hab Chat as much as I did. I know that there was some great insight that you can take away uh, from what Ben and David shared with us. So if you are interested in discussing how you can build a core deposit strategy or learn more about how Haberfeld can help your team, please visit us at www.haberfeld.com. Make sure to join us next time and don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this episode. As Estee Lauder once said, I never dreamed of success. I worked for it. Keep growing, my friends. Mm-hmm.